<laughs> the broadcast is live. Hello, it's Hi. Wednesday. Hey, it's another Q and A with PJ and Alicia. It is. It's. I didn't think that we honestly would be here doing another Q and A. Surely, I thought that there would be no more pandemic and. Uh, but here we are, and I'm I'm happy that we are here because this is going to be a really great addition to quarantine Q and A. I agree. You know, the best the one of the best things about kind of pushing us to our limits in prevention and having to look outside of the box is the fact that we've had to find other people from different parts of the United States to be a part of this content. Um, so, and it's funny, and you can probably agree with this, that many of the people we've had are echoing the same things that we experience here in Orlando. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, all the stuff that we're experiencing right now is kind of just like a global family issue that, you know, every, not even just in the United States, but everywhere, you know, all across the world that people are, are definitely feeling, you know, in terms of the pandemic and, you know, in terms of current events, absolutely, 100%. So, and um, now I'm going to also share it, create watch parties and stuff for it now too. Yeah, so while you're doing that, um, I'll just introduce myself really quickly. Uh, a lot of you, if you have been watching the uh, the quarantine Q and A's, you might know uh, PJ and myself. Uh, my name is Alicia. I work at Hope and Health. I'm a health educator in the prevention department. So uh, before all of this, we did a lot of outreach and a lot of testing, and now we're kind of focusing on education and you know different ways of reaching out to people, not physically. Um, but you know, through through a small screen like we're doing right now. So um, and it's it, it it has been a learning curve and and really cool actually for me. Um, and then PJ, would you like to give a little? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm PJ Queen and I am a health educator over here at Hope and Help, and now I've moved into also a counseling role. Um, I'm clinical social worker, formally trained. Um, so I love working with my group called Style, Strength Through Youth Living Empowered, which is a young um, male-focused group for uh, same-gender-loving men um, of any background who are living with HIV, who want to learn how to live their best life with HIV. Um, and it is my pleasure to be a part of the prevention team and with Alicia here um, to kind of talk to you guys about um, a great subject that's really impacted me personally, um, emotionally, and I know it's impacted other people in this community. Um, and I'm super happy to have our guest on today. Yes, so without further ado, I feel like that is a great segue into bringing on our guests. So let me plug them in. Uh, Hello. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so we have two lovely guests today. We have Miss Kina Harris and we have um, Tyson Black. So if you guys want to go ahead and just introduce yourselves and maybe um, do a little bit about just either where you work or, you know, what kind of different social media things you have going on. Um, and Kina, we'll start with you. Okay. Hi, guys. My name is Kina Harris. I work at the LGBT, LGBT Plus Center Orlando. Um, I'm the manager of HIV services here. So, yeah, 
come see me. But if you come see me, that's it. Make sure you have a mask. You haven't been outside of the state of Florida in the past 14 days. You have not interacted with anyone with COVID-19 in the past 14 days. You haven't experienced a fever greater than 100, difficulty breathing, or any coughing in the past 14 days. Thank you. Okay. Take it over. Yep. Just unmute you. Oh, oh, you're muted. Here, wait. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Is that better? Yeah. Ah, I did a dance and everything. I'm going to do this like I do on my YouTube channel. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What's up, guys? It's your boy, Ty, the self-love content creator. I make content about self-love with Black gay men, whether that be skincare, spirituality, mental health. And now we're doing this. We're doing activist stuff I'm, I'm so happy but anyway you guys yeah my uh name is right there you can follow or, or right there on the screen you can follow me on instagram get connected let's start a conversation and let's just love on each other awesome <laughs> i love that that's a Thank great yeah so yeah so our, our topic today for the quarantine q a is racism and colorism in the lgbtq community um, and then PJ, do you want to take us away with our with our first question, our first topic? Yeah. So um, Tyson, my first question is to you, and then Kina, you'll also have an opportunity to answer. But I want to direct it. So my very first question is: um, I am also someone who's same gender loving and in this community, and also someone who defines as color. But I have this question that I would like to give to you first. Can you tell us right. your experience within the LGBTQ plus community? as a person of color, what that has been like for you? Um, it's crazy that it's 2020 and I still feel like an other within uh, the community because we, we people of color, well, not people of color, we black people, it's a difference. Um, we still navigate those white spaces so going in i know we're going to talk about this later but going in i feel like a piece of meat i feel like i'm there for their enjoyment i feel like i have to shrink myself down smile more be approachable within those spaces because me and you are black gay men so we have two things against us and you too as well being a black a woman i don't know what you i don't i don't know if you identify but you being a black woman, you um, you know, we have to be very, we have to be keep uh, eyes eyes behind our back when we navigate those spaces. So, yeah, I still feel like I don't have my place in that community, or I, I don't even know if I even want to have my place within that community. Okay, thank you for your response, Kina. What are your so thoughts? Um, well, as an ally, that's it's already like separate in the community um, because you know, obviously, you want members like prominent members of the community, actual people who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, to be you know in the front forefront in the voices of the community, right? But when it comes to like allyship, allies tend to look the same, um, or the allies that are put on platforms tend to look the same as in white. Yeah. Um, so as a black also woman, as an ally, it's like we're like the other, 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 if that makes sense. Like 
we're like the lowest on the ally totem pole when I feel like as allies, we're the most in the community probably. You know what I mean? Like we're the more like on the on on the ground, like in the in the actual spaces versus the ones that are broadcasted. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And you know what? Before before I turn it over, I'm gonna weigh in on this one too. Um, with firsthand lived experience, a part of this community, you know, coming out at the age of 22, um, and going for most of my beginning life as someone who defined as heterosexual and living that life as a straight black man and then switching over, you find out that the privileges you had as a straight black man, even though they were limited, you find out that you have far less when you become a black other in an LGBTQ space. And we'll unpack that more, but it was such a wake up call for me when I kind of came out and I was thinking it's raining man, when I was like, it's raining issues. So, um, yeah. and we'll definitely unpack that more, but that's what I'll trade it over to you now, Alicia. With. Love that. It's really yeah. an issue. <laughs> and an yeah. issue. Yeah. More, more issues than Playboy. That's, that's, <laughs> um, but definitely. Just, but just quickly before we get to the next question, I do really, especially, I echo what you said as an ally because I'm, I am a double ally as someone, you know, that is white or white presenting, and then is also an ally to the LGBTQ community, it is really frustrating to see people, you know, that should not necessarily be having that much of a voice, you know, be stifling people that deserve to be in the spotlight, especially, you know, we're, we'll talk about this later, but obviously, you know, with uh, Stonewall having that anniversary and we're talking about all these riots and we're, you know, we should be amplifying the voices of the people that worked so hard in the past, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get us to where we are right now. Um, but again, that being said, that kind of leads us into the next question too. Um, in so many uh, gay spaces or LGBTQ spaces across America, Black people and Afro-Latino people feel so <clears throat> underrepresented. Uh, what do we think is the root cause of that? And how can we increase visibility in those spaces um, where we need it the most? I'll, I'll, I'll um, divert to you, Kina. So oh, how do we, okay, let me think. So <laughs> my opinion, at least like right now with, you know, the whole like Black Lives Matter movement being very prominent. So we see how there are discussions, which we can get into later about like, you're Black before you're anything else, right? Like what I present to the world, like first I'm a Black something. Like you don't know my gender. You don't know, like, you don't know what I identify as. You don't know what I was born as, but you can see the color of my skin and know that whatever I am, I'm Black first, right? So I feel like even in the gay community, you're what your skin color presents first. So we even like now that the gay community is receiving, you know, better rights. I mean, they're not where they need to be, but like there, you know, there are rights that are finally being um, put into legislation and all of that. There's still a community within a community. It's still the gay community, which is first white presenting, right? White males that more or not acceptance but more tolerance because acceptance is not where we're at um but like white males in the gay community received more tolerance to for than women 
then those women, okay, so now we got white males still. We got white women. We got white presenting males <laughs> presenting women. Then we have uh, some people of color males, people of color women. Then we got our black gay males, our black lesbians women, and then our black trans community. Like it's literally like we are like the gay community is like a microcosm of American society. Like yep. it's still, it's still, yeah. Regardless, like regardless of we're yes, we identify as LGBT, whatever. We're still like this is still America 101. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. Like you're LGBT, cool, great, but you have your own racism, discrimination, segregation within that community as well. It's like just because we're all um discriminated against in one situation doesn't mean that there isn't discrimination within. And that's the issue that I don't, I still don't understand how like pe minority groups discriminate against other minority groups. Like, yeah. yeah. What is happening? So, <laughs> yeah. Did know. you, did you want to build on that or add to that? Or did you have anything you, you want to say to that Ty? Yeah, definitely. Um, when it comes to uh, Latinx and uh, Black people, uh, gay or straight, cis, doesn't matter, we're not even on the totem pole. We're something underneath, especially when it comes to Black women. And uh, and right under Black women is, no, it's it's more like you said, it's trans women than it's, you know, Black women. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically... I'm gonna talk how we can uh, increase the. Um, let me go to my notes. I don't want to mess this up. So yeah, basically, like you said, I like I said earlier, I still feel like I'm not I'm not within the LGBT community. I feel like I'm not within the Black community. I'm somewhere over here, um, anime fingers trying to figure it out, and I just <laughs> I am. Like you said, I don't understand why how mod, uh, marginalized group. Um, uh, uh, I don't. I don't feel like other. I don't understand why other communities at the bottom with me still be against me. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that it's all about the status quo. Media, Hollywood, it's imprinted in our minds. We're going to follow the status quo of white supremacy. That's why we have issues with each other. That's why we can't. Um, that's why we can't get together unless. Some, unfortunately, I know people hate when people say this. We cannot get together unless somebody's dead, or murdered in the street, like George Floyd. We need to build those. We need to build it with each other before that happens. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we will ever ever heal from that because white supremacy is still in control. So I don't know. I feel like like there's definitely a system in place that has put minorities against other minorities, right? Like we uh, have we have been true. trained to battle each other for a position. A house uh, and I don't even like what is that position? Like tolerance by white supremacy? Like that's really what we're battling for. Like who looks better in the eye of the master, right? Like who the mastermind, right. whoever's in control. And so if 
I don't know what it will take for people to realize that we're all like all minorities of a or all marginalized under this one like system. Um, but that has to happen. And then we also have to have people like actual leaders that are not self-serving leaders. Um, there are so many like I don't know, there are so many people, like even like in the LGBT community, in my opinion, there are there are too many people that represent marginalized communities within the LGBT community that once they make it, they don't properly reach back and bring others with them. Like they'll hold that position for just way too long. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just because I've made it doesn't mean my sister's made it. And if my sister hasn't made it, then I haven't made it. And unfortunately, too many people don't look at it like that. So we're just gonna mm -hmm. continue to have this cycle every five, 10 years is one new something, right? There's one new person that re represents this whole community and they never, no one person can represent a whole community. So that's why you can never have one person up there. It needs to be uh, like a spectrum, right? Cause everything's a spectrum. So your opinion of black, um, black culture or LGBT black culture, or LGBT culture won't be mine. So if we only have one person representing to the masses that already look at us as, you know, then we're not, we're not going to get it there. So, so you bring me to my question and you, and you lead into it very well with us as people of color in the LGBT community being second class citizens in many ways, but I want to rephrase it. Uh, I want to rephrase it to incorporate some of the elements that you guys are stating uh, basically about being of color first, right? I'm black and then something else, right? Which goes for our counterparts. They are white and something else, right? So my question about what you're saying with opportunities not being there, or people holding positions longer than they're supposed to be and so on. Do you also feel that is because of the affluent white gays or the non-minority gays in power at the very top that are creating this structure, right? So they're sitting there saying like, okay, well, we need that diversity higher. So we'll only make one space available. So the one person who attains that space, of course they want to keep that space. So how do you guys feel like it? Do you feel like non-gays of color that are in power are perpetuating this class system intentionally, not intentionally? Why is the system here if we're all marginalized? I'm gonna give it to you Tyson first. Okay, it is here because ever since um, ever since slavery, it all started with the uh, house slave. It started, that's exactly definitely the root of it. Basically, if I show, like this is the type of black that we like. So people will, exactly. it will create a divide Huh? Except, sorry, except. They don't like oh, except. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so basically, there's a trickle-down effect, the generation and generation. When it comes to jobs, when it comes to um, you know, the model minority, it creates a kind of a faction between us and other uh minorities that's in a, a corporate setting. So that basically that basically starts the whole there can only be one when it comes to black people that look like me and look like the rest of us in here. It's like, okay, we won't, like you said, we're going to fill that position. We only going to make, um, 
make that position available for one for one black person because we need that diversity because we don't want to get sued or anything. So it creates like, okay, I'm not better. I'm not better helping my helping my sister, even though I'm winning. I'm not going to help out my sister because I don't want to lose my job. So it keeps people from from speaking up. It keeps people from doing the right thing, and it keep and it actually keep us from creating gener generational wealth because we're what creates generational wealth is teaching other people below us and lifting them up, our brothers and sisters, and teaching them. So when I leave, I can still leave my mark and say, you know what? I taught his person. I taught him. So now I can leave on and, and, and then they can do the same thing and lift someone up as well. That, that creates, that's how generation wealth will be created in America. But unfortunately, even me as a content creator, when it comes to getting uh, sponsorships, working with companies, <laughs> I get paid so less than my other white uh, counterparts and stuff like that. So even myself, I admit it, I didn't want to help other black people because it was like, if I speak up and speak out, and I have, thank God I, my anti-blackness is gone and I love myself. So basically now that I speak up and try to lift other people up, it makes it so hard so hard to get sponsorships and be paid equally equally and that's why people don't help other people in a court in the corporate setting they don't help people to look like us because i'm trying to make it and if i say something i'm the ugly black person basically yeah, or you so. feel like you can't afford to like literally yeah it's, yeah and so before i transition to kina one thing i you know i want to put out there um my I'm traditionally trained in clinical mental health, right? And one of the mm -hmm. theories that we stayed on for weeks was the theory of cultural psychosocial development for persons of color. So we at phases through our development go through what's called anti-Black phases as Black people. This is fundamentally a part of who we are. Some of, people, some of us stay in it for days, weeks, months, years, for the rest of our life. Because what happens- yeah, because when you walk out into a field of people that don't look like you, who own different things that you could never own in theory, have act opportunities to things that you'll never have in theory, be with people that you'll never be with in theory, it creates this internal conflict that is just seething in you like anger. Like, why do I want to be something that I have no control over? So I say never blame yourself for a temporary passing through that because it's natural true to our nature like if you were if i was a ch like i'm a chubby guy whenever i walk into a room full of people who are muscular i i start to have those conflict those internal conflict but i just wanted to give you props on that honesty because a lot of, a lot of us who go through those will not admit that and we end up picking two paths we'll either overcompensate and become the stereotype one way or the other we'll become like a candace Y'all know who I'm talking about, or we'll go the opposite direction. <laughs> Never that. And we'll be, just, and we'll be too hardcore. <laughs> so, you know, oh, man. Uh, what is your thoughts on us as persons of color in the second class system? What's perpetuating it? What's keeping us there? What, what structural elements are there? So I feel like, um, like Tyson was saying, like um, we find we find ourselves in these places where we feel like we can't lift each other up because we're fighting for the same position right or we're fighting to keep our own you know our own income like our own flow of income and i feel like growing up like 
I'm not going to speak for the whole black community, but I feel like the black community, like you are taught to fend for self so much just because no one else will fend for you. Like, it's like no one will do as much for you as you will do for yourself. So if I'm worrying about like bringing other people up, am I doing the work for myself? Am I able to provide for myself? Am I able to, you know, provide for my family while if I'm worrying about someone else, which we don't have a sense of community in the same sense as other my even other minorities do in my opinion like maybe our community that we see but not like our community that's over here right like i feel like mm -hmm. i feel like the asian american community is so good at setting up their cousins sisters brothers wife right like the black community has this sense of well if i don't know her and it's not because we don't want to help other people or we don't have the means to help other people but it's like what if X, Y, and Z happens to where I can no longer provide for myself, but I've put this other person in this situation that I could have been in myself that will allow me to provide. And I feel like our, the Black community is so, is so held back, is so burdened with that, that mindset that we have to prepare for the worst at all times. Like, I feel like... The coronavirus is like the world's version of the black struggle on a daily basis. <laughs> like, oh my God, everything stopped. Um, no income. Like, what are my backup plans? Like, we don't have backup plans. Shit. Now we're leaving living paycheck to paycheck. Oh my god. Like, that's like the middle class, lower class black experience. And yeah. so I feel like when we, when people um, finally get some power or some money or something like that, they're just too afraid to, of losing it to help others. And then the problem I, or the solution that I see for that is stop trying to fit into white spaces and create more black spaces to where we can, we have the power over the hiring, over the distribution of money. So we're not worried about losing our position when we created the positions. So if we're creating the positions, if we're creating, you know, all of these streams of revenue for everyone and we're making sure that it's legit, we're making sure that it's consistent, you know, we won't have to worry about, oh, I can't help so-and-so because what if this happens to me? You know what I mean? Like we need more, we need more spaces of color um, especially black spaces, because like Tyson said, there is a difference between black and people of color that if we have more of those spaces, then we, we will be able to help more of us. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, um, I would like to, if I can, I would like to build no, no, on that. No, no. Uh, we had our own spaces, you guys. And I want you, if you guys didn't know this, I want you guys to never forget this. We had our own spaces in the 50s and 60s. There were black communities popping up everywhere. Black people, they had their own money, good mm -hmm. jobs, going to school. We had all that in New York. Never forget this, you guys. Central Park was a black community. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh. No, be real. Oh, these niggers are they're, they're doing too much. They're living too, too, uh, they're getting too close to our vicinity. They're getting too 
up to upper they're getting upper the, the upper echelon what well, mm-hmm. and, and so they basically what they did they destroyed them they forced them to move out of their good communities and put them in these ghettos and then bulldoze it and make Central Park yep. and then when they say and then they say stuff like oh they want to stay in the ghetto you put us there it's also, also the reason why you made it a ghetto. Exactly. Yeah. That's ex- and when that happened, that's when the credit system started with credit cards. It, it was a, it was a system created to keep black people from getting up and stuff because the credit system was not meant for us for like credit cards and stuff like that. So, just a little food for thought. Never forget that we had our own communities. It was in New York and California where our communities were, were destroyed and then they moved us and then they build their own communities or a park for their dogs and stuff. Um, to piggyback off that real quick, there's um, where was Black Wall Street again? Um, what city was that in? Wasn't that in New York? Oh, God. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, like. I want to say, I don't want to be wrong. Are you talking about Tulsa? No, not Tulsa. Tulsa, Okla, freaking Homa. We had, we had, we had black communities in the Midwest, the South. Um, Florida has its own um, history with black communities. It's very, it's very, it's very hidden, barely talked about, but it's Mm. called Rosewood, right? Rosewood. Uh Rosewood. Um, basically, it was a black community that was it was thriving. I mean, like they had so many homes. They had they had like general stores, you know, and then it was pillaged through like because of the typical uh, black person, a black man talked to a white woman, that whole 50s thing, whatever. And they burned that place to the ground. So like when the thing that kills me the most, like Tyson says, is like they want to stay in the ghettos or they say stuff like people say stuff like, oh, well, you just want handouts or you want um, you just want to use the system or you want um, you know, just things like that. It's like we like our black people built so many things. There are black owned banks. There's there are so few black owned banks these days. Like, come on now. Like there are so many people with so much wealth that there could be so many black owned banks. But there are so many systems in place that it's just not allowed. And whoever that Facebook user is, yes, that stuff is <laughs> talked about in high school. You learn most of that stuff in college in African study you have to legit take yeah to go out of your way studies to (laughs) learn about black american history like i i didn't get to choose Mm -hmm. in high school in middle school do i want to learn white american history versus black american history because obviously those point of views are very different but Mm -hmm. i mean and one of the one of the things one of the things where i transition it over to um Alicia, is that you guys are laying a great foundation for the audience to understand the intersectionality of being of color and LGBT, because now we're going to continue to build on the layers of, okay, we are same gender loving people of color that are coming into our sexual orientation with this foundation of oppression in history. So it's like, I'm coming in with an ax. So I'm coming in with these things to deal with. And now I'm going to move into my LGBT aspect of also another layer, which is a little bit different. So you're you're making more layers to this cake, but the audience understand our history 
because it's super important. History is context. History is everything. If you don't remember, you're doomed to repeat it. At least mm -hmm. that's all I have to say. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and then something that obviously ev oh, everyone has been, you know, echoing is that how important representation is, you know, how important it is to have those spaces and to build inside those spaces and to build up, you know, black voices in those spaces. So um, I'll just phrase this this way. If you even just Google like LGBTQ, you know, all, almost all of the pictures are going to be of white people. They're going to almost mm -hmm. all be of white men. And if there are people of color, they're gonna be, for the most part, light-skinned, you know? And how how has, you know, colorism played out for you personally in your community or uh, if, if, you know, not in the necessarily in the sense of LGBTQ, but maybe for you, Kina, how has that played out for you in the community that you that you work with? Mm -hmm. And I'll, yeah, I'll let you answer it. Me first? Yeah, okay. sorry. Um, so colorism is huge in the black community and especially the LGBT community. I feel like, well, I already feel like one black people are looked upon as like, they're, I feel like black people are fetishized in every community, first of all, right? So, or black people are like, well, hmm, I don't normally, date black people but you or you're an exception or you're not that black or you pass as x y and z right so like colorism plays into that where fairer skinned black people are their blackness is diminished um to the point where like they're now acceptable black people right or they're prettier black people because we're equating their beauty we're equating their their less lack, lack of melanin to beauty because it's closer to white European aesthetics standards, right? So like black, when like when campaigns like black is beautiful goes out, like that's that's actually needed. And it's so sad because like growing up, I, I, I always had like a problem with my color because my mom is so fair, right? My mom is like a little tanner than Alicia, okay? So like my, my, upbringing like I see my fair mom and my dad is like very dark-skinned right so like I had this this conflict of well I'm I'm a brown-skinned girl but I grow up with like a fair-skinned mom who people don't think is my mom like we have these really skewed understandings of blackness and like how genetics works and how what's perceived as acceptable or beautiful in like all communities. And then I think when it gets, when we break it down to the LGBT community, it's like, oh, you're, I feel like everyone's just like, you're my entertainment or my thing to play with. Or when it comes to black people, like you're my toy, like, oh, Tyson's shaking his head. Okay. You're like, yeah. you're, you're like that cute, oh, that cute black guy. Why can't it just be a cute guy? Like, yeah. why now the black guy? You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't, I don't know. Tyson, take it over. Take it over, Tyson. Uh, <laughs> and you saying that, I've heard this all my life. Well, not all my life. Maybe when I went to college, when I was uh, in my 20s, and I heard it the other day from a white guy or a light-skinned guy. Oh, you're cute for a dark skinned guy. 
I'm like, Ugh. makes my skin crawl. Like, yep. stuff like that and seeing these stuff in social media and ho- not social media, but Hollywood and in, in magazines growing up. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, um, I just started loving myself. Um, well, loving yourself is an everyday thing, especially mm-hmm. when, you de- when you're decoding white supremacy and when you're decoding um, colorism. So I grew up hating myself, hated my skin, my I hated my nose. Uh, I have 4C hair. Uh, I have a 4C beard. So I I hated it. I used to I used to relax my hair because uh, in the media they had uh, Bow Wow and Snoop Dogg and stuff like this, and like it was, and they had like. Um, the activator for guys to mm-hmm. activate there. Like, this is the curl pattern to have. This is beautiful. This is ugly. So mm-hmm. growing up, like, I just totally hated myself. So when you start to love love yourself, and Karina, and uh, I know you guys, I know the rest of you guys are going to agree with me. When you start to love yourself, it's like, how dare you? How dare you love yourself? You're mm-hmm. other. How dare you love yourself? So it's like, damn, I can't even win for losing. Like, Mm -hmm. it is so hard to navigate uh, being gay and also within the community because some people might get mad when I say this, but when it comes to Black gay men uh, within the community, you guys heard this before. Oh, my God, I'm so white in the day. Every, like even saying that, even though it's a joke, it's toxic. Uh-huh. It's like people, black people. Like I said, when you when when you show whiteness, all your life is imprinted in your brain. You try to aspire to whiteness. Yeah. So, I used to, like I said, I used to hate myself. I didn't want to date anyone of my skin tone. They had to be light skin. Um, but even with that, even when like dating white guys, I wasn't black enough. So it's like, like I said, I, I just don't, I just can't fucking win. And it's so frustrating. And um, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm such a damn uh, introvert. I have, I'm still trying to break out of that because mm-hmm. white supremacy and colorism will make you feel this small. Especially, especially when you only, uh, there was a tweet in, I had to delete it because people was going in. I said, and I still stand by this, dark skin, dark skin men and women are only appreciated when we're muscular and dark skinned women are only appreciated when they have not, not natural hair, when, when they have a weave or their hair is straightened, when they have an ass. It's like we're, we're fetishized so much mm-hmm. and like, like I said, when we speak up for ourselves, it's like, how dare you speak up for yourself? How dare you go back in that box? Yeah. It's a sense. So no. for, for many, I feel like for many of us, when you sit there and you're trying to date, you're trying to find friends, you're trying to connect with many people as a person of color, one, let's not even add the LGBTQ part into it yet. So when you're a person of color, right, before I even open my mouth and I start conversations with you, you have my resume already in your mind of what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, and how I'm going to act. So when I tell you that I'm African-American and I like rock, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I tell you I like, I, I, or, or I say, hey, I'm PJ. I like hip hop. 
check, bing, bing, fits the narrative that I believe about you. Okay, well, let's say I have kids, bing, bing, check, that's the narrative that fit about you. Regardless of whether I'm married, regardless of whether I'm a doctor, I tell you things that are congruent to the stereotype that you have with me in your mind, it's easier for me to be allowed into your home, into your warmth and into your friendship versus me be this outlier, which really isn't an outlier. There's many of us, but we don't get the space that we deserve and the representation that we deserve. So it's like, okay, we're constantly going against the supremacy narrative. So I completely understand where you're coming from with that. And then you add colorism on top of it. And it's like, oh God, I'm this dark. I can't get away with nothing. It's like, I can have a light-skinned friend who who just does crazy things and they're like, every dude will holler at them. Every dude will start chasing or running after him. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not, I find the person not as attractive. I find the person not as fit. I find the person not as this. And then like, yeah, these people are seeing gold out of this skin tone. And then I ask some people, I'll ask them, I'll be like, what do you think about that friend of mine? I'm like, oh yeah, he's, he's, so, he's so yellow. He's so red. And that's the only thing they can say. And I'm like, so wow, you as a person of color are also fetishizing other persons of color because of the lack of blackness. So do you right. think that that's like kind of a way of saying too that you're only ever extended like tokenism, like you can only ever be that that person to, to people that are not black or obviously from what you're saying to even to some people that are. It's like a slippery slope. It's like, if it's like, do you know why you like me or whoever other than my color, other than my culture, other than the stereotypes that you believe? Like, what is it that makes you interested other than, oh, I'm a date a black girl or, oh, I'm a date a black guy or like, mm -hmm. what about them other than them being black? What about them other than them being light skin? What about them other than their stereotypical features? What about them other than the culture that you want? What about them? Like, what, yeah. what is it about them that right. you can tell me that makes you so interested? And if it, if there is something, that's what we want. But if there isn't, then I'm, then I'm a fetish. Then I'm, then I'm the token. Mm. And, I, and no one wants to be the token. No one wants to be an exception to your rule or an exception to, you know, like society. Like, no. So when people are like, when people are so up in arms about, I know we're going to get into this later, but interracial dating, it's like, what other than being close to this is appealing to you? Yep. And I think one right. thing I before I transition it into my question, because I kind of went on a tangent, but my thing about it is, is that when I was primarily dating not men of color, which I now exclusively only date men of color, when I was dating um, all, everyone under the sun, and when I was like saying like, what do you like about me six dates in? And literally, I, and it was like only about my color or only things that clearly weren't true about me. Like, I love that you love hip hop. I'm like, when have I ever played hip hop music? <laughs> And they're like, I'm like, they're like, oh yeah, don't you like Lil Wayne? And I'm like, we've been on six dates. How do you know that's not right. like an artist that I play? And then, and then, and then I start getting angry and elevating my voice, and then I become the angry black man for truly feeling wrong and misunderstood mm -hmm. and hurt by you. But that's that's the transition into how do y'all feel about celebrities skin bleaching? Because basically, that's a long way around about. 
people who go through what we go through try to adapt, try to change to fit this narrative. So how do we feel about celebs? Like um, Beyonce from the early days to Beyonce now, just- We talk about this all the time, by the way. <laughs> um, Tyson, I'll start with you. How do you feel about well, um... bleaching, adapting, changing to fit a white narrative? Well, well, basically, they don't want anyone too black or too dark when it comes to celebrities. So, to to um to fit that narrative, they do it for survival, so they so they keep going. We've all seen. I'm I'm gonna do artists because I was a I was a, I used to work with independent artists, but basically, um, they had a struggle of should I lighten my skin? Because that's what's put in our face all the time. So if you're a celebrity in, in that um in that group of celebrity in that pool, I won't be I won't be shocked. I'll be shocked if you didn't skin bleach, to be honest, because that's what white America wants. When it comes to celebrities, that's what they want. Wow. I mean, have you have you noticed that? Before Beyonce uh, bleached her skin in Rihanna, there I remember growing up there was a whole debacle of I think it was Vogue magazine or Elle. They made her like a white woman. Mm-hmm. The whole cover she looked like a mm-hmm. white woman. So when I like like I said like when we uh, like the question uh, uh, earlier, when you grow up seeing that media, media says this is what you're supposed to do. That's what's going to happen. People are going to bleach their skin, even without even thinking about it. It's subconscious. You're going to you don't want to do it. Nigeria is the blackest place ever in uh, Trinidad, the Caribbean. But Nigeria is the capital of skin bleaching, the capital. And even products that we use in America sell skin bleaching products in Nigeria, Nivea and Dove. They sell skin bleaching products in uh, Nigeria, and that's why I no longer use Nivea, even though it, it was thick as hell anyways, but <laughs> I no longer use their products. So that is pedal to us, pedal to us all the time. And it's like, um, it's like every move, even like, um, even in stores that we never even, it's like at a CVS, I saw like the skin bleaching bar. I was like, what? Why are they selling skin bleaching? Even at the dollar store, they were selling skin bleaching. So they're trying to they're trying to uh, erase our blackness. And I'm a, I'm gonna end this by saying this because I know I'm talking a lot. But this all started in Jim Crow with all the propaganda. There was this company called um, I think it was called Cook Soap, and they had an ad saying it was this little girl looking at this black girl. Why, why don't your mama wash you with uh, soap? And there was another one of this white woman. This is a whole ad. You can Google it. Of this white woman washing this black boy. And as she washed, as she washed him, he turned white. And, and there was these little black boys waiting, looking out the window, waiting for their turn to turn white. Yep. So this is imprinted in us a long time ago. My mom, my sisters. Oh, Tyson. Don't be out in the sun too long. You're already black enough. So it's like, it's imprinting. It's, it's like we have to decode and uh, 
we have to remove all that brainwashing that was put on us through propaganda. It's yeah. in, in it's subtle too. It's very evil. Yeah. It's very small. It's subtle, but okay. Microaggression. Yeah. Like What's your uh, on that? I agree with Tyson. Like, okay, uh side story really quick. Um, I have these really horrible nicknames um that I won't name who calls me. Um, and one of them is Blackie. What? They're black too. That's beside and we're related. So that's besides the point. But where where we're like the same color, one. And um our color is like I don't know where he, it's a he also, believes that we differ, but it's like, why did we grow up thinking that that was okay or appropriate or just because- right, I, or comparing I, arms. I'm lighter than you. I'm lighter than you. Exactly. Or like, I was in the sun. I was in the sun too long. Like, you're going to burn. You're going to, you're going to be burnt or- um like comparing someone to toast. Like I hate commercial well, childhood flashbacks. I hate commercials where they compare skin color with toast. Like I don't I don't know what we're doing. Like now I'm burnt because I'm the dark. Commercial. Okay. Um so like we have these we have this ingrained in our mind to where darker skin is unacceptable or it's it's um like it's a derogatory thing to talk say to someone that like you're darker and oh but you're darker you're darker you know what i mean um so when it comes to like celebrities and stuff like that i'm not shocked like tyson said because the image of beauty or acceptability is lighter skin um and it's mm-hmm. ingrained in us so much so that when darker skinned yes i said darker skinned because let's say like nor uh, normani beautiful girl that girl is not dark skinned She's she's brown skin. Like she's on a spectrum, of course, right? But she's not mm-hmm. of dark skin. She's not, she's like, she's barely darker than me. And we we hold her up as a dark skin queen. Like, so we're saying that her skin is acceptable. She is the dark skin that we accept. When there are girls with just as much talent as her that are of darker complexion than her. But they're like, oh, we're not going to give them as much airtime. We're not going to give them as much um, uh, marketing budget. We're, you know, because like that's not what what sells. This is like the darkest we will allow to put our money into, and that's what we're going to sell. Like you see that in in the music business, in the um, like in all aspects of the entertainment business. Like yes, this girl is a darker skin skin tone, but if she's not the darkest of skin tone and she does not represent darker skin tones. And it's even in the um, YouTube community, like I follow some, some YouTube beauty bloggers who have really deep, rich, dark skin and they're Nima is gorgeous. That girl's beautiful. Gorgeous. Um, Chocolate, buttery. Love her. Beautiful. And like their engagement lower, their sponsorships wear, they're like they're connected like but they they pound out better content but that's not acceptable that's Mm -hmm. not what we want our brand to look like we want your money but we won't we won't represent you so right i i understand why some people bleach their skin like i i don't 
personally, I don't think I could do that, but like, I would understand where it came from. Like I would understand why someone felt pressured to do so or not even pressured. Someone subconsciously felt like, yeah, that's a part of what I should be doing. Like that's, that's a step I need to take to make it in whatever uh, business I want to make it in. Like I, I get that. Yeah. And I think it's super important that, what were we going to say? I was going to uh, just say about the music music industry. Like I said, I uh, used to. I've done a lot. I should I should tattoo on me. I've done a lot. Like I said, I work for an independent artist, and I talk to artists um, at, at a very low level, local, and they've been signed to these labels. And some of them been signed to like um, uh, big labels, like uh, it's, I, it's 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 gone. I forgot what label she was signed to, but she had she can sing dance rap but her label will push her her push her album back and when this new light skin artist come push her out push her push her to the forefront and that girl can very barely sing mm. barely she can hold a hold a tone she can keep a harmonized little but she can barely sing so <laughs> like like I said I'm not surprised why I'm surprised people are not skin bleaching up more because it's just now like in 2015 that's when people started talking about with the natural hair community start talking about dark skin acceptance and stuff like that and even with that you got to have a certain cur- cur- curl pattern to be accepted let's be honest yeah, yeah that's all I want to say we're coming up on our hour, so I'm a, um, if Elise is okay with it, we'll do maybe two more questions with you guys, and then oh, and then on. we'll do our closing thoughts. <laughs> if you guys are okay, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just want to make sure nope. um, because I know that with this we could go on for hours, hours Boom. upon hours. I mean, I have childhood trauma that is being sparked up by just listening to because I'm like, oh my god, I've had that moment. I've had that moment. I've had that moment. And then you flashed me back to when I was 13 and my dad said, you know what, Preston? You speak white. Cried for three days straight. Cried. He said, son, you speak like a white child. I said, he's my dad. And literally made me cry for three days straight. The trauma that we endure as Black people in this country is profound. And then you add the gay trauma on top of that. And then we as as people who are marginalized are never uplifted to share our voices, but we're doing it now. So I want to give the opportunity to Alicia to what you want to ask. Spotlight on me. But um, okay, so uh, so we we've talked or we've kind of glazed over this topic just a little bit, but I think it's something that everybody wants to talk about, which is, you know. Do you feel fetishized and and do and and what are okay? So it's it's obvious to me. I think even just looking at like a, the porn community and things like that. When you when you let's say you go onto a certain website, right, and you're like, okay, blah blah, and then you see all this, you know, BBC and white stepmom and you know black stepson and all of this stuff. How you know yeah. have have you in your experience have you felt fetishized by by other people that were not of color or that were not black or or ha- do you feel fetishized sometimes in your own community and what has that experience been like for you and i'll um ty i'll let you answer first 
Okay. Um, Grinder is black gay hell. Who? So many times. I'm gonna be very. I'm gonna say this like they say all the time. Like they have no interest in me but my skin tone. This is exactly. I even they they even sent a voice note to say it. Oh my god, let me see your nigger dick. No, they said cock, but uh, cock is the most unattractive word, by the way. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> it is so disgusting and dehumanizing to feel like a piece of meat yep. so many times. Like I have to, I have to make. Sh- it's a damn shame. I am attracted to white guys, but I ain't got time for that. I'd rather date someone that knows me and that gets my struggle. I don't want to have to decode if this guy is fetishizing me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it. I'm, I'm so happy for social media because ever since the murder of George Floyd, there's been so many interracial breakups, and I'm so excited. I, I have no problem about. I have no issue about interracial relationships. No issue. But at the same time, people are being exposed, and I'm I am gagging. I love it. It's exposed. This to guy, struggle. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. This guy, we're here for that. <laughs> <laughs> because this guy basically, he uh, did screenshot as we all do receipts. He basically said, "Wow, I ha- I just broke up with my boyfriend because." He basically was saying things about the murder of George Floyd and about um, blah, 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 some, and some other stuff. And his white, pasty boyfriend said, with so much mayo, said, shut up and just give me that nigger cock. And I was like, I'm not surprised. It's so sad that I'm not even fucking surprised at this point because... Oh. Let's talk about preferences, okay? People love to throw out their preferences. Nobody cares about your preferences, okay? However, if your preferences is based in racism, I'm gonna get close to the camera. If your if your preferences is based in racism, fuck you. Because there's so many times I seen on Grinder, no rice, no spice, no watermelon, no tacos, none of that. That's based on racism. I'm telling you, white gays on Grinder, that's based in racism. I don't have a, I have an issue with your preference. If your preference puts you up here and everybody everybody else down here when it comes to the no fat, no films thing, mm-hmm. I have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. If your preference affects my self-love and my mental health, mm-hmm. that's an issue. And as you're continuing... So when it comes to... And as you're continuing from the audience, someone asks you directly, when you have dated or hooked up with white guys, have you felt more accepted or rejected by the black community? Someone added that directly to you. Can you answer that? Okay. In the- um, my yeah, I, don't think you can, I think everybody can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, <laughs> well, for, from the, uh, you know, the cis heterosexual community, they don't give a fuck. I'm Maria other, they don't care. But when it comes to the black community within the gay community, uh, yeah, some of them even got accounts 
blocked because got white people blocked because they didn't want them commenting under my page and stuff like that. And they and they and they have had an issue. And um, I'm gonna say this again. I love myself, so I don't give a I don't really give a fuck if I'm accepted by the black community if if I do date a white guy. But it does come with its challenges. Like I said, it's hard to date a white guy because, like I said, I have to. I don't want to have a guessing game if they're just doing a fetish things. And like PJ said, it's usually very obvious. They know nothing about me. Everything's based on stereotypes. All they care is about my cock. All they care is about that. So, yeah, I don't date white guys. Just like PJ said, I only date, I want melanin. It's, it's, I want somebody that understands my struggle. Maybe I need to stop. I feel, I feel like I'm putting myself out there because I'm single. <laughs> so, so, no, so yeah. And, and Karina, she, I know Karina, you could definitely talk about it because it is different for black women when they date a white guy. So, so um, for me, I mean, it's a lot. Okay, so let's start with, <laughs> but it's. A, I hate this word because I always, I can't say it plurally, okay? Fetishization, blah, blah, blah. Being a fetish. Right? I can't say it either. Um, I feel like I'm a fetish all the time. Um, and it's from everywhere. First of all, Black women are a fetish to everybody. One. Like, oh, you have a big ass. Great. Do I have anything else? Do you, did you even look at my face first? No, got it. Okay, then we have all oh, you have big boobs. I've had them my whole life. They're current. They're basically a burden to me, but you love it. Um, okay, then we got. Then it's like, oh, but you have natural hair. Mm. Okay, so then that's where we get to these preferences, and then it's like, what what does that preference do for you? Like, does that preference build you up? No. Does that preference support you mentally? No. Okay. Does that preference, like, what does, what, does it make you money? No. Okay. So what is the preference? I'm confused. Like, what, what are you getting from this? Nothing. I, I can understand, like, wanting to be with someone who understands you and who has a similar background as you, who has a similar culture as you. That makes sense to me. Because it's it's a kinship, it's a similarity. I get that, but like, oh, um, I want to date a black girl for what? Like, what? What why? does it do? Like, for why? And then make okay. your <sighs> okay. And then so then let's talk about this question: Where have you hooked up with? Okay, I'm a from my point of view. When I've been interested in white guys or like looked at white guys, I have a internal conversation hmm i wonder if this Thank white you. guy's family's racist i wonder if uh this will happen if i'm left in a room with his blah 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 i wonder if i'm gonna be put in awkward situations where something is said completely out of pocket and i'm gonna be the one to defend myself and only me defend myself I wonder if this white guy will ever go to bat for me. I wonder if, and then that's just on that side. Then now let's talk about the black community. Oh my God, black the black community's response to when black women are with white men is the most disrespectful, like picture painted. You're you're um you're a a bedwench. 
what are we like what is this like and also i'm a slave now because i'm with a white guy because white guys are are masters and black women are house slaves that are are just used as sexual toys so that's where this whole like your fetish comes from because like well we had women who lived in uh, plantation homes and were used for sex and were used to procreate, but we don't respect the the offspring of that those sexual sessions. No, so women, black women with white men are often looked at as um, like just a slave master relationship, and or or your your relationship isn't respected, or you're a sellout, or you don't like black men or you think you're better or there's so many like microaggressions within that relationship that it's like, it's just not worth it. In my opinion, like, do I really care Mm -hmm. what people say? No, but do you want to consistently hear the disrespects? Like, no. So. Right. It's such an onion, you know, like you just peel back like yeah. one layer after another one after another and one, and it just gets like what doesn't make sense to me. Sorry, uh, what doesn't make sense to me is that black men have an issue. I'm sorry, it doesn't make any sense when black men have an issue with black women dating white men. The puzzle's not it's not sticking together because you don't even like black women yourself. You don't even protect black women. Y'all the first I've seen so many videos of black men putting their hands on black on on black women because they denied them. You don't want black women, but you say shit like, "Oh, light-skinned women are so exotic," which makes no fucking sense cuz black women are everywhere everywhere black men are everywhere black people are the most exotic people on the planet i can look like this and be french i can look like this and, and, and be japanese so when that when stuff like that happened when people say that i challenge challenge them all the time i was like okay when the last time you went went to bat for a sister when the last time did you even do you have do you have mother issues i i challenge that because the way black men treat black women is disgusting. It's also tiring because, right? It's also tiring because black gay men that are not problematic, we have to put up the weight. We have to pick up the slack of heterosexual men. And also, I'm going to say this too, because I always challenge my own community. Black gay men, just because you're gay doesn't mean you have the right to disrespect the black woman, you don't have the right to put your hands on a black woman. You are still a black man, okay? So one one thing I I one hundred percent agree with you both on that, and I think this is definitely another conversation that we need to have. I think sometimes we, please, as please. people of color, tie in multiple topics of how others need to empower us, but also how we need to empower ourselves within our own community. But one thing that I want to make clear to the audience that's watching this, I don't want you to take my Kina or Tyson's comments as a um, as a fuel or gasoline to fuel counter debates, like how you how people create all lives matter pushbacks to a Black Lives Matter cause. 
So we have every right to explain and have passions about things that aren't working out, but that does not give you the right as an audience member who's not a part of this group to say, hey, you hear them? They have infighting that they need to work on. So I'm not gonna create jobs or create opportunities or support anything that they're doing because they gotta fix that first. No, we can handle right. this over here. Once you give us and support us and allow us the elevation, once you cultivate more leaders and give us elevation, oh honey, we're gonna fix it. You have all these black educated elite on this content channel right now talking, who given more opportunities, we will pass this along. And I wanna give um, it to Alicia to finish our question off for the night. She's gonna give us our last question and then I'm gonna give us our closing thoughts, if that's okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, I just wanna roll it back just a tiny bit to, you know, uh, to focusing back on the LGBTQ aspect of this in a way where we're sometimes we're talking about um, LGBTQ members of the community that might not be black or that might not be people of color. And obviously we don't wanna get into that rhetoric of like, I'm gonna ask you how I can be a better ally. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. But how, how, you know, what, what are the steps that need to be taken first so that this community can be more inclusive towards people of color and more specifically towards towards black people. Yes, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I didn't see your finger there because that little face <laughs> is in the corner. Like you said, stop asking us how to be a better white person. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Recognize that white supremacy is not our issue. Racism is not our issue. It's your issue. That you started. We didn't start this divide. You guys did. And if you guys, especially the companies, because uh, um, white gays own everything, <laughs> stop coming to me about uh, how to solve the problem when you don't want to give me a raise, when you don't want to give me the platform, when you don't want to step down and let me have the position to put that change forward. Y'all, right. y'all just want to do like, like we said earlier, the token black guy. That's you want me to be the token black guy, and just to say to be in that room full of white faces, mostly men, old wrinkly old men. And, but you don't want to really solve the issue. You want to put a band aid on a bullet wound, and a small ass band aid. Them little skinny ass band aids. I'm still bleeding. So stop. Not an asking me. <laughs> Stop asking me how to solve the issue when you don't want to give you like you don't want to give me the platform, the money, the position to actually solve the problem. Right. Right. That's you want people I mean. in the in the seat, right? You want somebody you or you exactly. want somebody to give you the table and say that no the table. Period. Yeah. And let me bring who the table to there to the table. Like yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah this diversity like oh a diversity hire right like does that really bring diversity to your business no does that bring diversity to your corporate corporation organization no you just put a face in a corner because you didn't give them a position of power you didn't empower them to bring on other diverse people like when it comes to um black trans women oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna hire a black trans woman to do what? Be your community liaison? Oh, so you want her to just be in the community, but she can't be in in corporate 
in the corporate part, no, she can't make change. She can't impact laws she or regulations or rules to make sure people like her are properly represented, appreciated, respected in the business. Oh, okay. But she can be your community liaison. Oh, she can talk to other people like in other, she can, she can be your PR. She can be the face of things that make you look diverse, but she has no, no say. So like when it, that's what companies need to do, put people in positions where they can actually bring upon change, not your face makes us look inclusive. So we're going to put you on this poster, but like, you're not in any meeting that actually brings about any change. Right. And I think too, it's like so important to like, kind of what we're saying is we don't, you know, we don't want a, a, just a seat at the table. We want like the whole company, you know what I mean? Like we want diverse companies. We want funding for diverse companies. We want people in board seats, you know, that, yeah. And I think as we close the night, I would like to leave myself last with the closing thoughts. Um, but I would like to start with everyone. If Kina, you want to give your closing thoughts? and then Tyson and then Alicia, and then I'll close it with my final thoughts. I just wanna, my closing thought will be to um, double down on what PJ said. Don't use our um, rhetoric about the interworkings of the black community as reason to continue with white supremacy. Um, and that's all I care to say at the end of this. <laughs> Oh, okay. Basically, just realize I want everyone to realize that it's okay to or have been uh, anti-black. It's okay that that's been put in your head before you even knew how to walk and talk. It's been put in your head. And also, if you if we want real change, we're gonna need more platforms like this. That uh, and we're going to need people to uh, the fun platforms like this so we can start the conversation and stuff like that. And um, white people, white people are always going to white people, so don't worry about them using our words against us because that's that's just what they do when they feel threatened. Even though, um, even though they like to say, um, "Oh, the, it's, it's it's reverse racism" or. Oh, there is self, uh, the, the self, um, never mind. I'm, my words get jumbled. But basically, I just want everybody to still put in the work. I know all of us cannot be on the front lines protesting, just put in the work, whether it be a tweet, a post, um, change.org, sign a petition. And also, I just want everyone to just just love on each other. Take Take the time to love yourself. Healing, healing is for everyone. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter where you come from. Healing is for every fucking one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And fuck white supremacy. So many snaps. Um, well, I just want to thank you all for for being here and for you know coming on the show. And I'm just thankful that we that we have this platform to dedicate this time to something that is so important, obviously. Um, And I, you know, obviously as someone that is white, you know, I acknowledge my privilege to even be able to be on, to even listen to you all talk about this, you know, to to be on the panel. And I hope that we can do a lot more 
things like this going forward. Um, yeah, so thank you guys. So my closing thought um, as we wrap up the night goes out to Lisa, our executive director, who's been watching and making messages a part of this. Um, in her in her in one of her notes, she said, um, I hear and see you. I'm so proud of you for speaking your truth and want you to know, um, we want you to continue this conversation with love and admiration. This is our executive director who runs our company. She's been there more longer than I've been there and I've been there for four years. This is um, Hope and Help is Caucasian led, it's LGBT led. And the thing about it is the one thing I will give up to our company over and over again is that they allow us to have unfiltered content like this on our main channel where we are not being appropriated. We are not being censored. We are not being told this is the white content. We were given the freedom to create this, to find who we wanted to be on this channel and to speak our truth as a community. So let me take this opportunity again, just echo what everyone is saying and Alicia, what you're saying by thanking our lovely guests for being here. And again, thanking Lisa, our executive director for allowing us to be unfiltered on here and continuing to push the narrative of anti-white supremacy. Yes. Yes. So, I appreciate all of you. Please look up our guests. Please check out Keena at the center and please check out Tyson. Um, his, um, his link is below. All right. Yes. And we'll, um, we'll also, we'll pin any, uh, any social channels or anything like that to the comments so that you guys can easily find them. And please tune in next week when we're going to be talking about harm reduction. It's going to be great. Love you all. Stay safe. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. 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 Okay.